Well, uh, we're going to take a look at this passage. It's something that I've preached on uh, quite a bit for Palm Sunday, but I don't know if it's the situation that we're in or what it is, but the, the beginning part of that verse 15, it's a, it's a promise about Jesus uh, given in Zechariah. But those first two words, uh, fear not, I, I feel like I've just sort of passed over them and they haven't really sunk in. Uh, but just given the situation, uh, I realized probably for the first time that th this is really the key to what's happening on Palm Sunday. Uh, those two words, fear not. We're going to uh, take a look at those. Uh, Steve is going to, we've been looking at a psalm. Uh, Steve's going to take a look at Psalm uh, 118 and talk a little bit about Thanksgiving after I finish. And then Andrew will close us off by looking at a few more verses and giving some practical ways that, that we can follow Jesus. If you look at that, uh, the verse, it says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Uh, that promise or that direction that Jesus is giving, uh, fear not, it comes in an unexpected way. It comes or the salvation that is coming, what people are celebrating, as I hope in their salvation, is coming in an unexpected way. It comes riding on a donkey. And what exactly that means is best seen in Zechariah 9.9. Um, it's what Jesus would have had in mind as he was going through it, and really what all of Israel should have had in mind. And what Zechariah 9.9 says is, Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey. The, the significance of the donkey was just the humbleness of it. And the word humble there, it's not that Jesus was coming humble in an ethical sense. Sometimes we think of humble as I just need to, uh, you know, humble myself and sort of uh, adjust my demeanor. It's not something that you adjust. It's not an ethical sense. What it means is, is that, he came lowly, poor, uh, humbled in a real sort of tangible way. In other words, he wasn't making it up in his mind. He, he really was lowly. He really was poor, and he really did come in standing on that. And, and what that means is a lot of times when we approach fear in life, or it's not even so much that we're afraid, but we want to prepare ourselves for a situation that's going to be difficult or a time of trouble. One of the things we, everybody wants to avoid is falling into fear. And so to prepare ourselves and to deal with fear, a lot of times we lead forward with our strengths. We sort of think about our strengths. We try and shore up our strength. We try and change our position. We try and adjust things so that we're coming into things with a, from a place of strength. But Jesus did the exact opposite. As he was heading into trouble, he knew what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that he was going to be imprisoned. He knew that it was ultimately going to mean his death on the cross. And he came in riding on a donkey. In other words, he came in riding on or holding up or 
clinging to or embracing everything that was lowly and without strength. Every bit of poverty that he had, he was holding that up and, and clinging to that. And that's a surprising thing. And the reason why he was doing that is because the salvation that he was bringing is in no way dependent on any strength that we have. And what we face in day-to-day -day situations, we, when we put forward our strength, we're putting forward that as a hope. But what Jesus is saying, no, our real hope is that God is going to step in, that God is going to be with us, and that he's not going to be with us based on our strength, but that even at our lowest place, without anything, any means to solve the problem, God will step in and take care of us and help us. And what it means by coming in, sort of embracing our weakness, uh, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about when we first come to Jesus, that the initial steps of coming to Jesus are repentance. And what repentance is, is changing our demeanor of coming in and saying, look, we don't have strength to come into a relationship with you. We don't have anything that we can offer. We're really just at that lowest place. And when we come in in repentance, we don't know all the things that we've done wrong, but we're just saying here I am in my weakness. Will you accept me? Will you save me at this lowest spot? And Jesus is saying by him coming in at that lowest spot, he's leading us in the direction of saying that turns our heart to a different hope. A lot of people talk about repentance as something where you're repenting and you're turning away from and to something new. And a lot of people say, Repentance is about I messed this up, and so now I'm turning my heart, and so now I'm not going to mess it up anymore. That, that's not what Jesus is doing. <laughs> what he means by turning, what repentance really means, is seeing this is who I am. I'm not going to be able to turn from my weakness. I'm not going to be able to change my weakness. I'm turning now to a completely different hope, a, a new hope that Jesus is offering, and that hope is that God loves us and cares for us and has provided a way for us to survive. It says these things his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him, that they had done these things to him. It, a lot of times when we're in situations, we don't really... It's difficult to understand what's going on. And what we see in the story is that fear not comes not by holding up our strengths, but by changing our hope. And by changing our hope, it means holding up and clinging to who we are as weak, repentance. And the other thing that we can do to alleviate fear, to point us in the right direction, is to just start thinking about and remembering all the things that God has done for us. If, if we can't think of any situation, anything that's happened in the past where, where God has poured love on us, where he's been there for us, it's going to be difficult in times of trouble to hold on to, to have faith 
that, that God loves us and cares for us. We can hold on to it knowing that he said it, knowing that that promise is there. And sometimes that's, that's really all we have. But what the passage is telling us is we have more than that. We have real life experiences that if we were to really look into it, and maybe at the time we did it, catch on, but as we look back on it and remember it and think about it and dwell on it, we can see there was something else going on here. We weren't being saved because we were strong. We weren't being saved because of the things that we've been clinging to and hoping for. The only reason why we've been saved is because God stepped in and changed things. And that's an indicator of the hope that we have in the salvation that, that Jesus is offering. It says, so the people who were with him, when he had called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason also, the people went and met him because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are not doing any good. Look, the world has gone after him. The Pharisees are being driven by fear. And the root of that fear is that they felt like they were the ones that were in control. They were the ones that had power. They were the ones that had all that they needed to be able to solve a problem. They were better equipped to be able to handle trouble. But what they were seeing is, is that that position of strength was fading away and it wasn't solving it. And they were left in a position now where they were fearful. But, but the others that were following Jesus had let go of that and were following Jesus on the basis of weakness, coming to Jesus and seeing that they needed help. Maybe someone who was blind needed to be able to see, someone who couldn't walk, you know, was given strength. People hungry were, were being fed. But as they look back, there was these different events. Some, some of them they had an experience, some they had just heard about. One of them was this man, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. What Jesus is encouraging us to do, and he talks about this in other passages, he says, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. In other words, don't be fearful about tomorrow. Think about today. But what it is that was helping them think about today was remembering or hearing things, other people talking about what had happened the day before or the week before or the month before. As we turn and just put our weakness out there and say, we're not going to have hope in our strength, but we're going to have hope in God's salvation that he's offering. And we've seen that this has happened in the past that part of what's going on here in focusing on today is thinking about what, what is Jesus doing right now? And, and how is it that we can connect to what Jesus is doing? Start following Jesus now. And what people were doing is they were hearing what had happened in the past about those lives. And then they were, part of what they were doing now was speaking about the way that God had been saving them, putting it out there about this new salvation that was being offered that, that wasn't based on strength, but was based on God's strength.
Not our strength, but God's strength. Not, not us pulling ourselves up by the bootstrap. Not us preparing. Not us getting things right. But, but God getting things right. Jesus getting things right. And him providing a way uh, of salvation. I think that just sort of in closing, fear not as Jesus is leading us into a place where we can fear not. It, it begins by turning to Jesus, turning in repentance. It begins by seeing what Jesus has already been doing for us to save us. And it ultimately means now, at that moment, today, following him. And starting to ask ourselves, instead of thinking about what may or may not happen in the future, what we should or shouldn't be afraid of, in faith, asking Jesus, what are you doing? And how can I be a part of that right now, today? Uh, let's pray, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Steve after I pray to take a look at Psalm 118. Uh, Jesus, we just put all our fears before you, and not just our fears, we put all our weakness before you, and we just cling to that and, and lead forward in a place of repentance. A repentance not just for all that we've done, but for all that we've done as a country, all that we've done as a city, a region, in any grouping of who all we've done as a world, Lord. And we just ask for forgiveness, and we just put before you our weakened state, and we ask for help. And Lord, please bring to mind the hope that we have in your salvation, a hope that's already been seen by the way that you've cared for us. Help us to see things in a new light, Lord. Soften our heart to see things as we've never seen them before. And Lord, help us to see clearly what you're doing in the midst of trouble. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us an opportunity to be a part of that. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Dennis. Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, part of Psalm 118 together this morning. We'll read verses 1 and 2 and then skip down and read uh, 19 through 29. Uh, so you can follow along here. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now proclaim his mercy endures forever. Now skipping to 19. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them. I will offer thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. He who is righteous may enter. I will give thanks to you, for you answered me and have become my salvation. The same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, Lord. Hosanna. Lord, send us now success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has shined upon us. Form a procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will thank you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. 
Amen. Well, as Dennis talked about this idea of uh, letting go of fear, uh, we're looking at this psalm, which really focuses in on giving thanks. And as I reflected on it, giving thanks and fearing the Lord, like letting go of that fear of things, not fear of the Lord, but letting go of fear of other things are sort of two sides of the same coin or, or maybe even like this feedback loop that builds on each other. Um, when you, when you let go of fear, you uh, are able to be more thankful. And then as you're more thankful, you let go of more fear and then you're able to be more thankful. And so you can sort of enter that cycle uh, at any point, either the giving thanks or letting go of fear, and, and then it kind of builds on each other. The, the psalmist here begins and sort of encourages us to, to take hold of that giving thanks piece. And so he begins by saying, you know, give thanks to the Lord. Uh, but sometimes when we think about giving thanks, we might think that it's hard to do that when we're in a place of difficulty or struggle because are we saying that, okay, we, we ignore the struggle and just pretend that everything's okay and give thanks and, and say that everything's all right. Um, or, you know, I was just sharing with some people this week about just how exhausting things have been and other stuff. And I say, but, 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 every, but, but there's so many things to be thankful for and blessed. And maybe I shouldn't complain. You know, sometimes I feel like those two things can't, can't coexist. Um, but the reality is that thanking the Lord is exactly because there are things that are outside of our control. There are things that are hard. There are things that we're struggling with and that he steps in and helps us in ways that we can't help ourselves. Then we say, you know, thank you. Um, but sometimes we connect thank you to our own abilities, which is weird. But there's a story that Jesus told about these two people who went to the temple to engage with God. And one of them was a Pharisee and he came before God and he, you know, stood and prayed and, and started his prayer with a thank you. But his thank you was this, his thank you was thank you, God, that you have made me not like this tax collector next to me, but thank you that I am able to be this good person and, you know, give you things and, you know, take care of people. And, you know, it's sort of like, sort of a thank you to God, but it was sort of more about his own abilities. But then the tax collector next to him was just down on his face, kneeling, saying, forgive me, Lord, a sinner. And he wouldn't even look up to God. And what Jesus said about these two people was that the guy who had asked for forgiveness went away justified, but the guy who started his prayer with thank you didn't. So, so thank you is not about ignoring the things that are hard, um, but rather giving thanks is a way to reorient our perspective um, away from a reliance on ourselves or our abilities or things, and rather uh, turning it to reliance upon the Lord. And you can see as the psalmist begins how that works out. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now proclaim his mercy endures forever. And he has these two things. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And it's important that both of those are there because if it was just that God is good, 
that might not get rid of our fear because if God is perfectly good and perfectly just um, and, you know, giving us what we deserve, then maybe there's some fear that we're not good enough to deserve the goodness that God wants to give. And so we fear, have, have we kept up our end of the bargain? Uh, are we doing enough? Um, have we messed up in some way that we know or that we don't even know? So there's fear there. But the second part, he says, is mercy endures forever. Um, so God is not treating us based on our own abilities or our own efforts, but with mercy, giving us things that we don't deserve. And that releases us from that fear that we have of maybe things aren't going to go well for us. As he continues in verse 19, you see this theme continuing. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them. I will offer thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. He who is righteous may enter. And again, we may think, oh, we have to be righteous to enter the gate of the Lord. Inside that gate, there's safety. There's uh, protection. There's release from our fears because we're safe. But we have to be righteous to enter. We have to be good. We have to do a bunch of stuff. But, but the psalmist has in his mind that it's not our own righteousness that's letting us enter. Because you see in the next verse, 21, he says, I will give thanks to you for you answered me and have become my salvation. Now we can thank God because he's provided the righteousness through Jesus himself to allow us to enter that gate. And in doing that, God has saved us. It's not us that have saved ourselves by doing anything, but God has saved us through Jesus. And we, and we thank him because he's done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. In verse 22, he continues, The same stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You know, Jesus later referred back to this psalm in this verse and telling us that this was really about him. Ultimately, that God sent Jesus to be the one to save us, to be that cornerstone to build his family on. But Jesus was rejected by us and ended up dying. And yet, God took Jesus, who was rejected, and his God's plan of saving us. And we said, no, we don't want to do it that way. But God turned it around anyways and used Jesus and even used the rejection that we made of him to become the foundation for us having salvation, of us being included in God's family, of us being able to enter that gate and find safety and find release from our fears. That God turned it upside down, as he says in verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes as we realize how God is able to even turn that into something that brings blessing to us. On this day, the Lord has acted. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, Lord. Hosanna. And Hosanna is this word that means save. And those were the words that people were cheering on Palm Sunday as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
We bless you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has shined upon us. Form a procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You can see the picture of Palm Sunday here. People laying down the palm branches, processing up to Jerusalem and just rejoicing and just being glad because they recognized that in some way Jesus had come to save them and to help them. You are my God and I will thank you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. You know, our our fears of things going wrong or our fear of what might happen often is connected to our worry that we're not going to be enough, that we don't have what it takes to handle what's happening in our lives. And we're afraid how that's going to affect us. We're afraid that's how it's going to affect other people. We're afraid of how other people's shortcomings may affect us, may affect our family or the world, the pressures, all that just seems overwhelming at times. And it's hard to think even about how can I get thanks in such a situation when I'm so overwhelmed? But through this psalm, we see that God is undoing that and saving us, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us, his mercy endures forever, his love endures forever. And even, even when we reject his way of doing things, even when we reject his son that he sent us, he turns that around and makes it the foundation for him saving us and for him bringing us in. And so our fear of losing what we hope for gets turned into gladness and rejoicing based on what God is doing as we recognize what he's doing. So we can, so we can give thanks even in the midst of struggle. We can acknowledge that I'm having a hard time and I don't know how God's going to handle this, but, but we can recognize what he's done in the past and we can even see what he's doing now and taking care of things and providing for us so that those places where he hasn't taken care of things yet, we can trust him. And so just, again, feel similarly as, as Dennis, how we can sort of grab hold and jump into this cycle of, um, you know, just observing right now, what are some things that we could be thankful for? What's God done for us that we couldn't have done for ourselves? And then, and then reflecting on our life for the past, what kinds of ways has he done that? And then being honest right now, there's places that we're just not sure how things are going to work out. Um, and we can't say thank you to God yet because we haven't seen what he's going to do. But we can just be honest and real with him and say, this is where I need help. And then lastly, it frees us up too to know that we can look for ways that God is meeting other people's needs around us. We can jump in and participate knowing that it's not because we're good that we're doing it or we have the strength, but um, just because God has invited us to be part of his family and we can be uh, a part of what he's doing. So giving thanks is sort of that other side of the coin to letting go of fear in this cycle that we can jump into at, at any point. Uh, let's pray, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to Drew. God, we're grateful. We're grateful that you can do what we can't for us. 
and that you're willing to, that your love for us is deep enough and based on your own decision to love us, not on our, our worthiness or our abilities. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and sacrificing what you did. God, we also just bring to you our, our pain. We bring to you our struggle. We bring to you those ways that we really need your help. Oh, please, please take care of us, God. And uh, give us more reason to celebrate and be glad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. So there's this great fear, and understand, understandably so. And we respond to that by stepping out in our strength. But what Matthew was saying on that Palm Sunday was to let uh, change our hope as Dennis is preaching and to follow Jesus. Steve gave a real tangible way of you know, changing that, that feedback loop of like fear, watching CNN, more fear, reading a Facebook post, more fear, Coronavirus, coronavirus, you know, just constant out here. And you change that feedback loop by, you know, remembering what God's done for you. And then that begets more thankfulness. And, and as you think, you know, watch CNN, you remember and, and, you know, more how God's taken care of you in the past and same situations, taking care of us in the past. And I think there's tremendous opportunity I think it's a, a grace that God's affording, affording us right now to respond. And this response is not required. This response is a blessing. It says in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Never have I seen in my life in living this Western first world nation such hunger out here. But we're not even really hungry out here. I mean, the food bank still has plenty of food, although pray for them. We need their supply lines to, to re-up. Uh, we just gave out like 15,000 pounds this past week. But our hunger is that we're afraid of being hungry, so we're hoarding. Now, that's still a hunger like I've never seen before, but we're still not actually hungry. I think of when I read this, I think of one of our parent leaders, Nicole, who was dropping off you know, the six or seven cases of food to a senior pulled up into the Walgreens parking lot over there on Fruitvale. And as the senior was pushing her cart out and they were getting, you know, the food to her, all a bunch of people started to pull up into this empty Walgreens parking lot and started saying, oh, let me help you. And they were actually helping themselves to these cases. And Nicole being a savvy operator as she is, she was like, oh yeah, you can have that. You know, and, and not trying to fight people in terms of their needing to just assuage their fear that they're not going to have enough and be hungry. You know, it says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. When I think of thirst, I just not think of liquids, but I think of the stuff that we desire, that we want, that we thirst after. And, and I think of our youth who, you know, are kind of sitting at home and not really able to express this thirst. And we went to go visit like you know, 20, 25 of them yesterday. And the number one thing we heard is, you know, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, nothing, just sleeping. And the way that they're dealing with this is just kind of to turn themselves on. It's almost like a lost month, a lost 
60, 90 days in their lives. And some of us, some of them desperately need to like disconnect and not have the constant drama in their life. But, you know, nonetheless, we all need sort of that human interaction. We need that thirst to be quenched. And I think of Sheena and Shante and Vic who, you know, cook Rice Krispie treats and barbecue and mac and cheese and cream corn, just some of the things that we, you know, just we thirst after that stuff to, to show some love. There's such an opportunity to do that right now. It says, I was a stranger and you invited me in. I especially think of teachers who are, who I think have been the most consistent voices for those who are undocumented in our country. Why? Because they teach the kids who have, who may have papers, but their parents don't. So they see that daily stress. They've built that relationship up with these families and they know that they feel like strangers and they feel so vulnerable, especially in a time like this where you can't catch unemployment or disability or you know, get that government check for $1,200. Um, and, 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 and they wanna welcome strangers in. We could follow their lead in that. It says that I was in prison and you came to visit me. Uh, no, more than ever now, we have a, a chance to understand if you haven't been inside to, to be able to understand what it's like and to be able to reach out, show some empathy. It says, I was sick and you visited me. Right now, the main people who are visiting the sick are people we don't know who are on the front lines, the PTs, the OTs, the doctors, the nurses, the, the security guards, the custodians who were able to show love in a way um, that, and be there that we can't. And I'm praying that there is some type of testing that can happen, a blood test I've heard about where, you know, those of us with immunity can be documented and we can be able to visit those who are sick, who are dying alone because they're so afraid that, that they don't want this thing to spread to their families. So you hear of different parents and grandparents dying alone. And it's, it's the saddest thing. These Jesus's words just come to life. I was sick and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I think that, that nakedness is something that, that we often hide, but more than ever, you know, not that there's people out here streaking and, and you know, not having no clothes to wear, but it, there's really a nakedness. And expo the, the number one heard, uh, uh, word I feel in terms of this nakedness is I feel exposed right now and I need to cover up. I need to be conservative. I need to save. I need to not let this, this, this invisible, you know, whatever it is in, and it's, you clothe me. And then it says um, in Psalm, in Proverbs 28, he who gives to the poor will not want. And it actually ends by saying, uh, those who turn a blind eye, you know, choose to ignore it. You're, it's going to go bad for you. And as this, Proverbs person, you know, says this. Um, I just think of how God is so good to us that it's not something that we have to do. We don't have to respond, y'all, but it's something that we get to do because sitting at home and just thinking through this stuff, um, it will eat us up. And most of the time, in regular, normal times, we get to go outside and we get to like, have the busyness of life kind of put that down and tamp that down. You know, our fears, our anxieties, our worries, futures, past, our pains, our traumas. But being at home, 
you know, some of us can't sleep because it's just constant, this thought that's out there. But, you know, God gives us a way of, of, of having an outlet that they who give to the poor will never want. It's a greater grace. We get to participate in this thing that, that keeps us busy, that has our mind off of ourselves onto someone else. Um, and, you know, we're always saying, you know, your volunteerism has to match the need just to kind of get those folks that are out there who are sort of doing this in a savior mentality. But, you know, even in this time, we don't have to even worry about that because there's, the need is so great that if you just point yourself in that direction, how can I help those who just don't have, you know, as much as I or, or my family do right now? And, and that way, it's a, it's a greater grace that God gives us to be able to respond and choose to, to get into this in some type of way, shape, or form. And finally, in Luke 3, it says, And the crowds asked him, What shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics, two jackets, share with them who has none. Whoever has food, do likewise. Uh, and I see this as a way to like, kind of make sense of it all right now. Not that God is doing this 100%. But I'm hoping and praying that right now there is a spirit of sharing a lot more than a spirit of self-preservation that God is putting out there. That you feel that fear, you lead with your strength, and then you start worrying, and it's that negative feedback loop. But then, bam, God somehow interjects himself, and someone shares with you. Or God loves you in some type of way by somebody just... You know, the other day was me getting into it with a UPS driver. Yeah, I'm not a very good person. I'm getting into it with essential workers right now. But it's just like me getting into it with him. Um, and then at the end, it being all good, it just, God loved me in a weird way there. It's like, Andrew, I'm taking care of people. I'm taking care of you. Don't trip. You don't need to be fighting all the time. And some of us have that fighting spirit of always hustling, always struggling. And instead, someone, bam, in that type of weird way, shared with you, God, God, God approaches you in this way, and then that sharing that comes upon you, you also spread it to the next person. I think of the year of Jubilee in the 50th year, in the nation of Israel, not that we're anything like the nation of Israel. You know, you could say we are more, more like Babylon maybe, but that, that at that point, all debts were to be released. People were supposed to get their land back. Um, people were supposed to be released from jail, released from... Uh, and, and you see that happening right now, where there's this sort of redistribution of wealth. And it's almost, I mean, it's not like you have to. And some people are like, well, why are you judging the rich? Well, first of all, I'm going to judge the rich. But secondly, what I see happening is it's almost like it's become like a good thing to share. And you'll be looked upon negatively. People will remember what you did and you didn't do. And that's just something that, that God is changing out here. He's like, let those who have two, who have more than enough, share. And if you have food, break that sandwich in half and you can be able to share with the next person. God is just doing this just an amazing way, a greater grace to be able to enable us to share. So, you know, what should be our response at this time? Are, are you guys ready to respond? Well, let's put ourselves into the audience, into the people of that day at Palm Sunday. And if I could just ask everybody, you know, at this point, just to maybe get into a meditative state, 
If you want to close your eyes, if you want to bow your heads and just think about who you are, who you would have been, who you are on that day. As Jesus was passing through all the children, all the people with their, all of God's children with their palm branches up and down. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, riding a donkey, our savior, our God riding a donkey. And you know, the response might've been, well, oh, that was nice. Let me go back to my family, my job, my hustle, and let me go back to things as they were. That's one response. The second response could be, huh, that was something. Let me ask some more people about him. Let me get in and read my Bible. Let me continue to keep my heart and mind open to, to what I just saw, to what I just heard, to what I just witnessed, to what I just felt. And then finally, our response could be, as we see Jesus passing by and witness this whole thing, is, wow, he's the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the king. It hits you here in your heart, it hits you in your mind, and it carries through to your will and your body, to your actions, where you want to respond. So just, let's just all come before the Heavenly Father. And if at this time, you'd like to respond and maybe just opening up your heart for the first time, your mind, because it makes sense more than it, it's ever made sense. That God is coming upon your fear. He's helping you to remember. He's, he's opening up your spirit to receive and to share. And if at this time, you'd like to open up your heart to Jesus for the first time, maybe in a long time, for the first time ever, you can say this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to be our king. Jesus, thank you for dying for our sins. We confess them all to you and we ask for your forgiveness. And Jesus, we ask that you will come into our hearts at this time and to be with us and to take over our lives. May you push the fear out and may you bring your love and grace and mercy in. I give my life to you. Amen. And if you also would like to respond in the spirit of sharing, in the spirit of like letting your will and your body and your mind and your heart get into the game of helping people, these opportunities, this greater grace to just have your mind focused on something else, focused on help. Let's just pray together. And then Damon will come back on with our last set of songs. Feel free to pray this prayer. Dear Lord, I wanna make myself available. 
Dear Lord, I ask that you would push out all the fear. And Lord, we know that responding to you is not necessarily going outside and being and doing all these things that other people are doing, but that you do have a way for us to help right now. Please show us the way. We want to help. Thank you that we can be able to share and to help. In Jesus' name, amen.